Good evening, and welcome to Midnight Audio Theater, the weekly show where we bring you new and original audio dramas, be they adventure, mystery, sci-fi, or comedy. I'm your host, Kathy Ranella. Hello, audio drama fans, and thank you for joining us for another night of storytelling. I hope you caught last week's show when we shared the start of the mystery that is Dirt, an audio drama podcast. I'm happy to report that it's back again to treat your ears to the next two episodes of the story, unraveling more of this twisting tale and getting a hint of the treasure hunt that's in store for the main character, Joseph Elo. Written by Chris Cayella, the story of Dirt may be fictional, but it also is a deeply personal one, with Cayella's inspiration for many of the elements coming from real places, real events, and real people in his life. From working at a digital advertising agency in Seattle, to growing up outside of Spokane, Washington, to his sister who acts as the keeper of home movies and photographs for their grandparents' generation, Cayella makes the fiction of his story believable by grounding it in real-world knowledge and references. A key figure of the story, Joseph's grandfather, can be traced to Cayella's own grandfather, Arvo, who took up metal detecting in the 1960s and 70s, and spent several years writing down his memories as short stories, a number of which are recounted or referenced in Dirt. Nearly all of the voice actors in Dirt, including Chris, are amateur actors who simply loved the script and poured themselves into the characters, some of whom were able to record in person, while others recorded remotely due to COVID. Cayella decided to go for a less polished, more rough realism style to his production, and focused on making sure the actor sounded like real people in real conversations and situations. We think it comes off beautifully, especially in these next two episodes, with more talks with old friends and family. It's time to get to listening with Dirt, an audio drama podcast, episodes three and four, What Blossoms in the East, and There's Something I Want to Show You. Enjoy. Dirt, an audio drama, is a production of Studio 5705. Chapter 3 It's your favorite CEO who almost became roadkill four hours ago. You're lucky. I don't usually pick up when unknown caller gives me a ring. You got a new phone? Yeah, I bought one in Yakima on the way. I got one of the larger ones, like the ones we use for our user tests. I gotta say, it's pretty sweet. So you're about to say we should talk only on this phone now? Yeah, for now. This must be some old friend you're visiting, to leave right away like that. I promise I'll explain more later. I just need to tend to some personal business, and I'd rather not- It's okay. You don't have to explain. Okay. So, you're worried about your work phone being compromised? We can have IT wipe it clean from here if that would- Let's not do that. Besides, I need my work phone working. Right. On that note, Angela came by your office to ask you something. She seemed a little upset still. And Trudy has some numbers she wants you to see. It's probably all in email. I told the inner six you'll be a little tough to reach until Wednesday. Said you have some personal things to address. And I just kept it to that. 
Thank you, Mel. And thanks again for rescuing me from the bathroom. One more thing to add to your impressive resume. I aim to please. Man, I can't believe I... So, an update on all that. Besides Twitter blowing up, there's now a Facebook page devoted to the costumed Jay Walker with all the requisite memes being created and shared. And someone turned the crosswalk into a destination called Eyebrow Alley on Google Maps. It's getting four-star reviews, so congratulations on that. But fortunately, no mention of Josephilo or Motor Pool Agency at all. I used three of my Twitter aliases to suggest some theories about who the costumed man is. People seem to be entertaining two of them, at least. <laughs> what was the third? Actually, never mind. I also checked all the videos and photos that people are posting to look for that thing you mentioned. The videos and photos all start just after you almost got hit. I guess no one thought you were interesting enough to take pictures of before that. You know, you really should be more careful crossing the street. I know. It was stupid. Anyway, I don't see any sign of anyone dropping anything in the crosswalk, not near you or anywhere else. A couple of the videos were shot from above, probably from office windows. Just really got everyone's attention. But you know how Seattle is. Honking, yelling, any loud noise. It's a shock to everyone. Okay. Must have been in the street before I got there then. It just seems way too coincidental that something belonging to someone I haven't seen in 15 years is lying on the ground at the same place and in the same moment that I almost die a gruesome, yet may I say handsomely mustachioed, death. Don't you think? Are you trying to be funny? I'll check in again later. As I hang up with Mel, I turn off of Interstate 82 at Union Gap and head south on Highway 97. In more ways than one, I'm in a different place than I was four hours ago. Seattle was gray and misty, but here, on this side of the mountains, it's sunny. Crops of every kind, from orchards and vineyards to hops and vegetables and berries, fill up the wide floor of the Yakima Valley, as well as the lower reaches of the surrounding brown foothills. The late afternoon light gives everything a golden autumn glow. I send Kim a quick text, hands-free, don't worry, letting her know where I'm headed and that I'll check in with her from this number a little later. She writes back almost immediately, new phone? Hmm, the plot thickens, with a winking emoji. And then, please tell them hello and call when you can. I think I have something. Kim doesn't know this yet, but I think I have something too. Part of the letter makes sense to me now, and if I'm right, I hope to know for sure before I leave this place. So let's finally talk about the letter. I committed it to memory days ago. It's written as a poem, which is not surprising if Imo truly is its author. Imo was an admirer of Richard Hugo, Theodore Retke, and Raymond Carver the big three Pacific Northwest male poets of old. Imo used to write to people in verse, sometimes rhyming, sometimes nonsensical, and sometimes with goofy drawings and stickers. It was his way. I'd always wished I'd gotten one of those letters from him. Now it seems I have. The letter starts with my childhood nickname. Dear little Joey, if I leave too soon to tell you this, 
What blossoms in the east is bliss. A plot awaits for you to pen, a wealth of golden fruit to kiss. Begin your search where flowers grow, familiar, yet the Father knows, not what the gift to grant to you, until you ask where we first sowed. Search there for knowledge in the ground, then follow down the trail laid out. In silent words, determine more of places where I heard the sounds. Three more clues about your quest. The year your grandmother and I wed. The doughboy statue in the park. The quiet place where Rose homestead. Keep practicing your piano and seek with care. Imo. I'm nervous for what I'm about to do. More nervous than anything at work or on social media right now. I'm about to cold visit a place I haven't been in more than 15 years. I head west on Kay's Road. It's a familiar drive, one I took many times as a teenager. I drive slowly, passing one orchard after another. I drive past quaint and rundown farmhouses, set off the road down winding dirt driveways. I drive past irrigation canals, some still flowing at the end of the growing season. I drive past fruit and vegetable stands, closed today, but ready for the weekend. So much is the same, but there are new things too, new buildings and new plantings. 12,000 foot tall Mount Adams, or Pahto as many here still call it, watches over everything. The surrounding hillsides, formed by lava flows and rounded by erosion eons ago, are bathed in orange and yellow. I pass a tractor on the left and wave to the driver. Almost every other vehicle I see is a truck. A reminder of how different the two halves of Washington, the western half and the eastern half, can be. I get to a driveway that has an artsy metal sign out front. Flores Farms. I check my work phone. 14 new texts. Three from Angela, offering to talk to the client about the delay in user testing. Two from Deshaun, our project lead who's producing Conjoin this year. Four from Rebecca, our CTO, about the hackathon we're sponsoring next week. Five from Trudy, our CFO. I'm overdue for reviewing Trudy's numbers for the meeting with Molecular on Friday. I should respond to them all. have one? I'm just here visiting. We don't accept solicitors. No, I'm not. I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just paying a visit. We don't have any visitors on the schedule today. Yeah, I get it. I, I didn't call ahead of time. You I need just... to call and schedule a visit for another day. Well, is it possible that I could just speak to... Do you to... have a keyword? A keyword? No, 
I don't think so. I'm sorry, sir, but you have wait. to. Wait. Just, just wait a second. How about... Uh... Farm. That's not a registered keyword. Uh... Orchard? Okay, wait. Wait, wait. How about... Um... Lucila? Lucila. <sighs> Crap. Hmm. That's interesting. Mrs. Flores? Joey? I'm not surprised by the surprise in her voice. I'm here unannounced, and I've done a poor job of staying in touch. But the surprise in my voice? Well, last I'd heard, Mrs. Flores, or Maria, was bedridden and battling stage 3 stomach cancer. Yet here she is on her feet and looking healthy. She's noticeably older though, grandmotherly in appearance, and wearing an apron. Oh, last time I saw you, you were so skinny. <laughs> you must work out a lot. Are you hungry? No, no, I, I'm not. Well, actually, I am a little hungry, now that you mention it. But wow, Mrs. Flores, you look amazing. I'm sorry. I, I just didn't expect you to answer the door. Well, it is my house, Joey. Just as it was your house, too. For a short while. <laughs> my goodness. Come inside. I was just watching the news. They were just showing a video of someone who almost got run over by a car today in Seattle. Oh. Oh, yeah? He was in a costume, and I guess it got everyone excited on their phones. <sighs> Don't know how anyone lives over there. So many people. And the traffic. Ugh. Huh. Did they say on the news who they think it is? No. Everyone is talking about it on Twitter, I guess. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Wow. It's hardly changed in here. I mean, it's... It's just nice to see that it's the same. I know. I keep asking Salvador to fix a place up. But you know how it is. There's always something else to do. Always something else comes up. I have some food almost ready in the oven. Some store-bought lasagna. 
I was so hoping she was going to say tamales. Maria's tamales are legendary. You have to stay and eat. Ah, oh, Joseph, there must be a lot to catch up on. Yeah. And oh, I haven't even asked you why you are here. Would you like some water? Well, some water would be great, thank you. Oh, here's Salvador now. It's nearly five o'clock, and I remember now that the family always eats at five. One more thing that hasn't changed. In walks one of the friendliest faces and people I've ever known, Salvador Flores. Uh, I was wondering who drove their big city car here and was fraternizing with my wife. Mr. Flores. Hi. Hmm. Joseph Elo. Well, isn't this something? Is it a full moon, Maria? Or Friday the 13th? Um, no. It's just Monday. Well, so much for that. I'm sorry. I'm here unannounced. And I just got here. Yeah, just in time for dinner, too. How convenient. <laughs> As we're talking, Salvador takes off his hat and puts it on a hook by the door, and then sits in a chair, his chair, and takes off his boots, one at a time. His evening ritual, just before dinner. Okay, go wash up, both of you. The lasagna is telling me it's ready. Wow. This bathroom, like the rest of the farmhouse, is frozen in time, right down to the barn-themed wallpaper. The sink, the cabinets, the fixtures, even the towels are the same. I relieve myself and wash my hands. I wash my face, too, and try to come up with dinnertime conversation ideas, as well as a convincing way of explaining why I'm here. Whoa! Hi! And there she is, standing in the kitchen. I immediately get that old high school crush feeling. She turns to me, and I don't know what to say. And I probably look like it, because she makes a face like she's embarrassed for me. We're both in our late 30s now, but I can still see the girl I knew when I was 17. Joseph? What are you doing here? Antonia. Well, it looks like I'm having dinner. If you kids want some food, you better get here quick before I eat it all. It's amazing what being here does to my psyche. All right. I really do feel like a teenager right now. We sit down and Maria places a huge rectangle of lasagna on each of our plates. So how's life in the big city? Uh, it's good. Things are good. I have my own company, so I work pretty much every day, even weekends. But it's okay. I like what I do. And what is it that you do? We work with a lot of big brands doing interface testing and optimization. Basically making digital experiences more integrated and seamless for consumers. By the looks on their faces, I might be from another galaxy. And I know it's on me. It's not easy to describe what our company does without sounding like a jargon-riddled encyclopedia. It's not quite pruning trees or fixing sprinklers like I used to do here. But it's important stuff, I guess. Well, it must be, if you have your own company. What's the company called? It's called Motorpool. It's just a goofy name. A lot of companies like ours have goofy names. Oh, like Google. Who thought of that name? Huh. Motorpool. I like it. All of this safe, small talk feels nice. But I can feel Antonia staring impatiently, like she wants to cut to the chase. Sure enough. So really, Joseph, what brings you over here? Well, earlier today, 
I found this. You probably need it to drive and all. You... you found this? In Seattle? Yeah. Were you there recently? No. I haven't been there in probably a year. But my purse was stolen a few weeks ago in Toppenish. They got all of my credit cards, too. I had to cancel everything. And it's a good thing you did cancel them all right away. Yes, I know. Just like you told me to. He still treats me like I'm little. I do? You, you do. do. It's because you're my Tonita. <laughs> I got a new license right away. So I've been okay without this. But it was very thoughtful of you to bring it over here so quickly. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Thank you. Sure. I mean, that sucks that it was stolen. Did you report it? If it was stolen here and your license turned up in Seattle, I mean, maybe that's a clue that might help connect something? I did. But the police said there isn't much they can do. Apparently, petty theft like this is the hardest to track down. Whoever did it, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, crime is getting bad. You have to watch everything these days. People take whatever they want. Not so much out here, but we still lock up everything at night. Hmm. Wow, two phones. Somebody's pretty important. Oof, sorry about that. I mute both phones and return to the table. Even though I'm still reeling on the inside from everything. Where were we? The letter, the dreams, <laughs> almost getting run over, potentially embarrassing my company at the worst possible time. I feel calmer here. <laughs> I ask where Antonia's three older brothers are and what they're up to. We all take turns asking and answering questions about family, about our livelihoods, about Maria's cancer, about workers on the farm who've been deported, about pets and farm animals who've come and gone. I learn that the brothers are all living in different towns in the Yakima Valley, each overseeing their own business ventures, as well as their own young families. Salvador and Maria have seven grandchildren so far. I learned that Antonia lives here on the farm and helps manage the finances, but she has her own residence on the other side of the hop fields. I tell them about Kim and Eric, that Eric is getting married this summer. We talk about what Kim does in Santa Monica. We even talk about the drama surrounding the Wapato city government. I tell them that it's made the news all the way over in Seattle. <laughs> See? It goes both ways. <laughs> I learned that besides hops and peaches, the farm now produces nectarines, apricots, and chardonnay grapes. We talk about how they've updated their growing and irrigation techniques, and how three years ago, they made room for their latest crop, the Galactic Crunch Apple, the new variety that farmers all over Washington are banking on. Salvador says he managed to score 5,000 trees in the initial lottery. It doesn't surprise me at all that Flores Farms is an early adopter. The Flores family has always been a leader in this part of the valley. I don't suppose all this farming talk is rekindling your feelings about making a go of it yourself, Joseph. <laughs> now, hold on. You had a knack for fixing things, if I recall, and driving tractors, too. That was maybe your favorite part of your two summers here. You picked it up real quick. Your father was very proud of you. And you would have made your grandfather proud, too. Yeah, I do remember years ago thinking this was a life that I could live. 
That feels like a long time ago now. It was a long time ago. I steal a quick glance at Antonia. She quickly lowers her gaze to her plate. Your grandfather was many things in one person, just like you. He was a schoolteacher, a fiddler, a philosopher, a harvester. I never heard anyone play the violin like he did. He understood a lot of this kind of life, as did your grandma, seeing as she grew up here. You know, when Aimo and my father started this farm together in 1951, it was something new. But your grandfather and my father, they did it together. It wasn't easy, but they made it work. And we will benefit it from it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then Aimo did it his portion to our family. I think that was his intent all along. He had other ambitions that tied him to the city. But him and Vivian would still visit often and helped a lot around here for years, even as they got older. Your grandparents and my parents. That was some generation. They were. We would like to say how sorry we are to hear about your parents. Thank you. I want to talk with him about these things, but it's not easy. I feel myself getting restless, a familiar sadness, emptiness. I've learned to keep these feelings hidden away, to live in spite of them and remain productive. But it's different here. Here, I'm like a child, exposed and vulnerable, feelings I am not comfortable with. You look so much like your father and your grandfather too. I remember when your dad stayed here with us, when him and I were both teenagers. He was working on that fruit processing plant. Where was that? Was that Zilla? Yes, in Zilla. Oh, Joseph, it's getting late. What are your plans for the night? Will you stay with us? Yeah, I should get going, actually. It's a long drive back. Joseph, is this why you came here today? Just to return Antonia's license? I'm sorry, Mr. Flores, what do you mean? It just seems like an awful long way to drive and show up unannounced. Not that you're not welcome here. You are, of course. Right. I I should have called first. I don't have your cell numbers. But thinking about it now, I guess I could have just looked up the business number easily enough and called that. It's just, when I saw the license, I had this sudden feeling that I needed to be here. I want to tell them more. So much more. I want to tell them about the letter. Tell them how I think that parts of it might reference them. This place. Tell them that bigger things are going on that I can't explain or piece together. And how deeply unsettled that makes me feel. I want them to know how much being in this house, even for only a few hours, wakes things up in me. That maybe I do want to quit everything I know. I want to tell them I might still have feelings for their daughter, even though she's standing right here and would hear it too. And I know nothing about her life now. And it's probably absurd to feel this way after all this time. I want to tell them how much I miss their presence. That being here among them makes me miss my parents. 
and that I haven't allowed myself to sink into that feeling at all, for fear that doing so would sink me and the career I've built and put everything into. A career that depends on me being strong and focused and dependable, not distracted by things like emotions and orchards and strange mysteries from the past. I can make up the guest room. It would just take a moment. Thank you, Mrs. Flores. I have lots of people waiting on me at work tomorrow. I really should get going. Are you sure? It's a strange question to ask. I'm not at all sure, but I feel my body walking toward the door. There's nothing else we can do for you. Yes, I'm sure. Thank you for returning my license, Joseph. I do my best to preserve her voice in my memory, what she sounded like just now. Maria grabs my hand and squeezes it, and then pulls me close. The three of them stand together in the doorway, the porch light lighting up their faces in the darkness. I glance at both phone screens. The messages are piling up. Yeah. I need to go. Whoa. I know where you're here. I know why you're here. What? How would you know that? I just do. Now come back inside. But that doesn't make any sense. Tell me, why am I here, Mr. Flores? Because your grandfather sent you. He sent you here. How would you know that? Because he told me he would. Dirt, an audio drama, is presented by Studio 5705 and is written, directed, and produced by me, Chris Cayella. This chapter features the voice talents of Jesse Brown as Mel, Hernan Ramirez as the security guard on the phone, Anna Noval as Maria, Jonathan Fuentes as Salvador, and Megan Morales as Antonia. I play the part of Joseph. For more information about Dirt, an audio drama, please visit DirtAudioDrama.com. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app or platform. And please, spread the word. Thank you very much for listening. Dirt, an audio drama, is a production of Studio 5705. Chapter 4
Text Mel. Hi, Mel. I'm going to stay here tonight. I'm pretty wiped out, and driving late at night feels like a bad idea. So, right now, my plan is to be back sometime in the morning. I'll text you when I'm on my way. If you need anything and I don't answer my phone, just text. Even if I don't respond right away, I'll get it. Thanks, Mel. Talk soon. Text Trudy. Hey, Trudy. Thanks for emailing the spreadsheet. I took a quick look and everything looks great except for column F. Just feels like we might be underestimating our field expenses, especially with the staff AUG placements over the last six months. Jingwei can help out if you need all the records. Otherwise, this is looking really good for Friday. I'll be out of the office again a bit tomorrow, but I'll monitor my inbox. Thanks again, Trudy. Uh, autocorrect. Jingwei, not Subway. Text Deshaun. Okay, let's go with yes to extending speaker invites to Boris and Lauren. But I think hold off on Jerry's stole for now. He's headlined a few conferences already this year. Also, I know I usually write my keynotes, but it'd be good to go ahead and get a writer going. I don't want to hold things up. Avery might be good for this. Let me know what you think. Thanks to Sean. <laughs> Text Angela. <clears throat> Angela, good to hear we can speed up the timetable for the next round. And yes, if you can reach out to the client for me, I'd appreciate it. And I'm sorry about our blow-up too. Just keep pushing the team to do good work, but make sure they feel supported, okay? This will be a great account if we land it. Looks like I'll be out for a bit tomorrow still, but I'll check in later in the day. Thanks, Angela. Call Kim. Hi. Whoa, you sound chipper for this late at night. Well, the kids are asleep. Kenji too, I think. So this is when mom gets her second wind to do her stuff. <laughs> Are you at the farm? I am. Everyone's in bed now. I'm calling you from my car out in front of the house so I don't make a lot of noise. I told them I needed to do some work before going to sleep. It's been quite the day. I catch her up on the news from here. What's changed, what hasn't. Kim spent a summer living and working on the farm when she was young, too. Then I tell her about finding Antonia's license in the crosswalk. After almost getting plastered by a car. Wait, that was you? Huh? Do you know there's a viral video going around? You mean, I know who the costume jaywalker is and no one else does? Well, Mel knows. So, just the two of you, I guess. 
I hope. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Joseph. I don't mean to. <laughs> I just, I just, the part where you put your eyebrow back on. <laughs> <laughs> are you done yet when she is done i tell her that i came here immediately after finding the license to try to sort some things out kim took a photo of the letter when i was visiting her so she knows its contents pretty well by now she asks if i think there's any connection to the flores family and the parts of the letter that talk about begin your search where flowers grow and what blossoms in the east is bliss i mean Flores basically translates to flowers. So it seems to me that the letter is saying I'm supposed to find something here. Something that begins some kind of search. But how I got the license, or maybe who made sure I found it. Yeah, yeah, that's weird, Joseph. Seems way too coincidental. Mm-hmm. The father who's mentioned in the letter. What does it say? Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Okay. Familiar yet the father knows, not what the gift to grant to you, until you ask where we first sowed. I'm thinking the father refers to Salvador. <laughs> I got a feeling I'll find out for sure in the morning. Salvador dropped a pretty big bomb tonight before they went to bed. <laughs> I was in my car about to leave, and then he shouted that he knew that Imo sent me here. Um, what? Yeah. And I hadn't said anything about the letter up to that point. Salvador brought it up himself. It, it was almost like he was waiting for me to say something first. And when I didn't, he did. Whoa. And now, I mean, if I'm in the right place and if this letter is real, then I guess that Salvador has something for me here. Something he doesn't even know about yet. Hmm. Who do you think the we refers to? My guess is Imo and Ernesto. Right. Salvador's father. Jeez. That is wild. <laughs> and then everyone went to bed just like that? <laughs> I know. Salvador said it was too much to get into and we'd talk about it in the morning. Man, the plot really thickens. Is that going to be your catchphrase throughout all of this? The plot thickens? <laughs> it might be. You'll have to stay tuned, I guess. Oh, I should get some sleep. Okay. Oh, but wait. Before you do, I wanted to tell you a couple things. First, I rewatched the reels that we looked at together. I wasn't ready to accept the whole saying something cryptic to the camera thing when you first brought it up, but I'm on the conspiracy train now. Huh. I figured you would be. Right. So, in those moments, right after Imo finds something with his beeper... I'm almost 100% sure he's saying the same phrase each time, even though he's at different locations. Huh. Any guesses what it is? Not yet. I took some close-up videos of a few of them. I sent you a link. Take a look. Maybe you'll have better luck. Nice. Thanks for doing that. Sure. But also, I have a friend down here who works at a startup. It's kind of a think tank where they work on a bunch of new stuff, AI, things like that. Anyway, one of the things they developed is a lip-reading app. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. I saw an article about it. The software is supposed to be something like 90% accurate now. Right. So I could send her the same videos I sent you. Maybe she can run a test on them. 
I mean, if you're okay with that, this is kind of your show here. Might as well. Maybe just don't give a lot of details. Okay. I'll let you get to sleep. Hey, do you want to hear the crickets? Mostly just sirens and helicopters down here. This is all so crazy, little brother. Yeah, crazy is a good word for it. Oh, but Joe, one more thing. Yeah? Be more careful in crosswalks. Oh, right. I'll try to remember that. This time, the man and the woman speak even more of their strange language. I hear him say, Lopatame sen yalkin, kun oleme sanet, korme kumenta lota. His wife nods. Somehow I know they're talking about the number of fish they hope to catch that day. She serves him a breakfast of rye bread with butter and jam. When they're done eating, he turns to work on the engine. Then he lights his pipe and he stares ahead at the sea and blows blue smoke into the salty air. This time, I see it first. The small canoe is behind us now, bobbing on tiny waves. The woman hasn't noticed it yet. It's close enough to the stern of the trawler that I can see something inside of it, but I can't make out what it is. I cry out to the man and his wife in words that sound like their language, but they don't hear me. I call out once more to turn the boat around, but my words are muffled and foreign. I call out again and again, but the man and the woman stare out at the sea in the opposite direction. When I turn back to look at the canoe, it's gone. Hi, good morning. Did you sleep okay? I wish I could say yes. I stayed up late thinking about everything and viewing as much costumed jaywalker footage as I could find. I'm not sure I slept more than a couple of hours. Maria has scrambled eggs and bacon on my plate and coffee in my cup before I can even think about refusing. She tells me that Salvador is outside working, but he wants to know when I'm awake. It's only 7.30, but I know the day gets going much, much earlier than that around here. 
I'm so glad you stayed overnight. Mm. Mm-hmm. The thought of you driving so far in the dark like that. I don't like it. It's not a bad drive. Plus, it's almost all freeway. Lots of streetlights. Well, all the same. We have you a little longer. <laughs> yeah. I just texted Salvador. He should be here in a few minutes. Thank you, Mrs. Flores. It's nice to have breakfast here again. It's delicious, like always. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, seeing you in the door last night when you got here, it was such a surprise. But in some ways, it wasn't a surprise at all. I always figured someday, someday you would come see us. Salvador feels that way too. Although I know it's not really your kind of life here. It's a long way from all the stuff you do. This place will always mean a lot to me, Mrs. Flores. Oh, Joey, I'm glad you think so. We saw you on TV a few months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah? We were just clicking through all the channels and you were on some news show. I forget what it was. But there you were, talking about your company. Yeah, I have to do that more often these days. Seeing you on TV, you were so far from the world that we knew you in. But we were so proud of you. We are so proud of you. I mean, look at you. You're doing so well. You know, I learned a lot of things right here. Right here. Like what it means to work hard and care about others. You and Mr. Flores taught me a lot about those things. No matter what happens, I've never forgotten what I learned here. Okay, Salvador says for both of us to come to the Blue Barn when you're done eating. He says Antonia is with him. I think he has something he wants to show you. But you don't have to carry. Do you want some more? No, this is plenty. Thank you. So, does Antonia live alone here on the farm? Has she always? I try not to sound too curious when I ask. Like asking how many farmhands work year-round. Or when they last paved Kay's road. No, not always. Yes, she lives alone now, in her own house a short walk from here. She's with us most nights for dinner. And she's very involved with everything here on the farm. We couldn't do it without her. But she was married, you know, for a short time. Oh, no, I didn't know. Her husband didn't come back from Afghanistan. He wasn't even in combat. He was on his way to another station and his helicopter crashed. It was very sad. So they didn't have children? Well, they were going to start a family after his deployment. It has been very hard for her. But she has a lot of life to live still. For now, her home is here on the farm. It seems to be what she wants. I see.
Maria and I walk behind the farmhouse and down a trail that goes past the chicken coop I used to clean and collect eggs from. The air is cold, being so early in the day still, and there's hardly a cloud in the sky. A few farm workers are running equipment somewhere far away, probably making preparations for winter. A month or two ago, the farm would have been a cacophony of harvesting activity. Maria says starting next year, it'll be busy all the way through October due to the galactic crunches. After a few minutes, we arrive at the blue barn. It looks the same as I remember, basically a storage shed for tools and equipment. Salvador and Antonia are standing outside the barn, talking. Uh, there's our big city guest. Y buenos días a ti, corazón. Hola, mi vida. Good morning, Mr. Flores. Hello, Antonia. Good morning, Joseph. Hello, mama. I know you need to get going soon. And I know we have some unfinished conversation. But first, there's something I want to show you. Instead of entering the nearby open doors, Salvador walks us around the back to where a newer addition was added. It looks more like a garage with steel siding and roofing. When we're all looking, he pulls up the metal door and says, Nice, huh? Oh, the blue thing is still on. Ah, I asked Jorge to take that off. One moment, please. I steal a quick glance at Antonia. She's wearing a long down coat with black rubber boots. Her thick black hair is tied up in a bun, with a few strands falling down across her forehead. Okay, now look. When I look back at the garage, I can hardly believe my eyes. Nice, huh? Huh? You like it? It looks so nice. It's a 1948 International Harvester Farmall, Model A. (laughs) That's amazing. I know, isn't it? As he walks back toward us, Salvador's demeanor changes, like he has some serious news to share. Joseph, you're all grown up now. I mean, pretty soon you're going to be middle age. (laughs) Salvador! (laughs) You too, Antonia. (laughs) Gracias por esto, papá. But you, Maria, you're ageless. (laughs) The point is, Joseph, you're about the age that Aimo and Ernesto were when they found in the farm. And this... He proudly points at the tractor with some flair. This is the very first tractor they used here. Whoa. So, it's finally all done? It is. Fully restored with, well, mostly all original parts. And some cheating in places. But I'm not saying where. Can we take a closer look? It's incredible. How long did it take to restore and repaint it? Well, Antonia here sourced all the parts and hired the mechanics. Three years, three months, and about seven days. I send her a quick, I'm impressed, glance. Where was this hiding years ago, when I was here? In fact, it was hiding. We found it on its side up the hill from here, just across the property line. We figured somebody must have left it there when it wasn't needed anymore. It was half buried in a wash. It's final resting place, I guess. We compare its serial number to farm workers. So, we know it's a one. Huh. 
I just knew we have to bring it back to life. Not only because everybody loves old tractors. He means he loves old tractors. But because of what it represents. And I guess what this farm represents. The chamber people say they may want to put it in display on their building with a plaque on it. But I don't know. He wants to keep it. We don't have much use for it. He just likes looking at it. I do? You do. do. Does it run? Doñita? It sounds just like an old tractor should, even when restored. When I realize I've been staring at Antonia with my mouth open for too long, I quickly turn away. Salvador and Maria are watching her too. I pretend to look around the rest of the garage. It's full of tools, metal parts, hoses, rags, cardboard boxes. A truly used workspace. But something catches my eye near the back wall. Something I've seen before. I blink twice to make sure it's what I think it is. Is there something here for you, Joseph? Salvador. I mean, Mr. Flores. I have a question for you. Okay, Joseph. I've been waiting for it. I know what this is. Does anybody use it? Is that your question? Sorry. I mean, does it belong to anybody? Not that I know of. It's been laying around the farm for years. As you can tell, we don't toss much out here. So no, as far as I know, it doesn't belong to anybody. Mr. Flores. I turn to Salvador, and he seems to be waiting eagerly. In fact, all three of them are, as if my entire visit is coming down to this moment. Mr. Flores. Would you show me where Imo and Ernesto planted their very first tree? Yes, I know right where it is. Do you want to go there now? I do. One more thing. Do you mind if I bring this with us? Not at all. My hand shakes as I reach out and touch for the first time in my life something I've only ever seen in Imo and Vivian's home movies. A thing that may have belonged to Imo himself. A thing that might be inextricably tied to the mystery I'm trying to solve. A White's Electronics Coinmaster 4 Metal Detector.
Dirt, an audio drama, is presented by Studio 5705 and is written, directed, and produced by me, Chris Cayella. This chapter features the voice talents of Jeannie Leslie as Kim, Anna Noval as Maria, Jonathan Fuentes as Salvador, and Megan Morales as Antonia. I play the part of Joseph. A very special thank you goes out to Casey Parr, who supplied the recording of his treasured Farmall A tractor for this chapter. For more information about Dirt, an audio drama, please visit dirtaudiodrama.com. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app or platform. And please, spread the word. Thank you very much for listening. Again, you heard Dirt, an audio drama podcast, episodes three and four, What Blossoms in the East, and There's Something I Want to Show You, from Studio 5705. For more information and episodes of the series, be sure to visit dirtaudiodrama.com, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, Podcatcher, and Spotify to get the newest updates when Season 2 is released. Season 1 is just six episodes long, so you have no reason not to go online and binge the rest of the story so far. Now, I'm afraid that wraps it up for tonight. We want to thank Chris Cayella and all of Studio 5705 for letting us share some of their story with you. And we hope that you go check out more of their work at dirtaudiodrama.com and find out what Joseph uncovers on his family friend's farm. And if you want to hear more of MAT, you can find us at MidnightAudioTheater.com with our episode archive, now fully updated, and past MAT features. Also, feel free to email us at MidnightAudioTheater at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions of what you'd like to hear on the show. And like our Facebook page, where we announce our newest MAT lineup on Friday afternoons. Thanks again for tuning in, dear listeners, and we'll be back again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm Kathy Ranella signing off, but stay tuned. The BBC World News is coming up next. Mm-hmm.